you'll be finding your place, please, we'll begin sort of over near uh, Genesis chapter 1, looking at a lot of different scripture today, and uh, so you might want to jot some of these references down so you can reference them later. This morning we come to the final message in our series, Number Your Days. Some of you thought we were never going to number our days and get done, uh, but today is the last uh, message in that series. And so we need to say our theme verse one more time together. And hopefully by now you've got it memorized and you know Psalm 90:12 by heart. You can close your eyes as we say it. If you don't, you can look at the screen if you need to do that. But let's say it out loud one more time as we've thought about this verse and this theme to begin 2017 about numbering our days and gaining a heart of wisdom uh, let's say the verse one more time out loud if they want to. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And we've been talking over the last uh, several months, couple of months, about how to truly have a heart of wisdom and how to truly make our lives count. We've looked at some non-negotiables, some things that must be in our lives if they're truly going to count for eternity, if we're going to be able to walk wisely. And I think we should quickly review what we've talked about. We said that we have to spend time in the Word of God. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time in church. We have to spend time with our families. And then we, in our series, we turned our attention to the priority in life. And that is the theme of worship. And we talked about how everything is to flow from worship. We worship God before we work for God. And then last time we were together in this series... We spent a lot of time talking about making disciples. We talked at length about evangelism and discipleship and how those two things are linked together and how if we're truly going to be wise and make a difference for eternity and have a heart of wisdom, we're going to have to spend time making disciples. And so today we come to this final message. And of course, the question is, have we covered everything that we need to cover Every non-negotiable, every priority in life in order to be able to number our days and gain a heart of wisdom, I'd say no, probably not. But what I want to do today is bring a message that's going to cover the rest. And you can work out the rest between you and the Lord, but this message will cover the rest of those things in your life to help you walk, numbering your days, having a heart of wisdom, and bringing honor and glory to the Lord. And I want to talk to you this morning in this final message upon the subject of stewardship. Stewardship. Now, that picture is an actual ship. That's not what I'm talking about. I just like the picture, and I don't get to use ships very often. But I want to talk to you about stewardship. If we're going to have a heart of wisdom, if we're going to walk wisely, we have to spend time practicing stewardship. And I need to tell you right away, this is a lot more... We're talking about a lot more than just money. Often when people hear the term stewardship, they automatically think of money. And of course it includes money, but it actually goes way beyond, way beyond finances. And so I want to look at this whole subject of stewardship today. And my goal is by the time that we're done in these few minutes, that every Christian is going to leave understanding, believing, and convinced of three truths today. And I want to go ahead and give them to you right up front. I don't usually do that, but I want to give them to you right up front. I'm going to lay all my cards on the table. And then we're going to go back and look at them one by one. And I want every Christian, every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, to leave with these three truths today. 
Here they are. As a Christian, I am a steward. I have a stewardship. And with God's help, I must be faithful. As a Christian, I am a steward. I have a stewardship. And with God's help, I must be faithful. And so we're going to look at this together today as we unpack this. As a Christian, I am a steward. I am a steward. Now, what does that mean? We don't use the term steward very much today, do we? But it's a good biblical word. It has the idea of being a manager. Now, that's a word we can get a hold of. We all know what a manager is. We know what a manager does, right? A manager manages things. He looks after or she looks after things that are entrusted to him or her. It doesn't belong to them, but they manage it. They oversee it. And this is the truth that we need to grasp, beloved. We are not owners. We are stewards. We are managers. God owns everything. We own nothing. Now, don't let that discourage you, but process that for a moment. God owns everything. We own nothing. Now, you're in Genesis. If you have a hard time finding Scripture, you should be able to do this one. Open up the very front of your Bible. Find the very first chapter. And I want you to look at the very first verse as we think about this theme that I am a steward. I'm going to read several verses here. I gave you the references on the screen. But let's begin right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So in Genesis 1, 1, God creates the earth, the heavens and the earth. And because He's the Creator, because He's God, Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's. All that there is, is His. And then Exodus 19, 5 adds these words, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Not just part of the earth, but all the earth. And then Job 41, 11, The Lord says, Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. The Scripture is clear. God owns everything. He's the Creator. He owns it all. Everything under the earth is mine. Over and over again, these things belong to the Lord. So let's just process that for a moment. Your house, your lovely house that you live in, it's the Lord's. The wonderful automobile that you drove to church in this morning, this park in this parking lot, it's the Lord's. These lovely clothes that we're wearing, the suits and dresses and all these lovely things that we have on, yeah, they belong to the Lord. The money in your wallet, the money in your purse this morning, same deal, it's His. He not only owns all the stuff we have and all the stuff we see, He owns us as well. God owns it all. And we need to understand that. Now, here's the thing. Go back. You're still in Genesis, right? Same chapter, chapter 1. We see that uh, the Lord entrusts these wonderful things that He made and belonged to Him. He entrusted them to us. Now, that's a, a mind-boggling thing. That the God of the universe, the Creator, would make the earth and the heavens and all these wonderful things and then say, here, you manage them. Here, you oversee them. But drop down same chapter, verse 26, and see what it says. Genesis 1, 26. Uh, 
Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, look at verse 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, what a loving Father. He creates all this wonderful stuff, and then He lets us manage it. Go to the next chapter. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. To do what? To tend and keep it. Never let anybody tell you that work is part of the curse. Work is not part of the curse. Man was given work to do before the fall of man, before sin ever entered the world. Now, work was made harder because of the curse and by the sweat of our brow and thorns and thistles and, 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 and hornets and wasps and fire ants, oh my, all those things we deal with. Those things came after the fall, but work itself was a gift from God. And you're going to need to remember that because tomorrow's Monday. So you can wake up saying, thank you, Lord, that you gave us work. Now, help me because it's really hard because we messed up and we sinned. Look at Genesis 2, verses 18 through 20. Genesis 2, 18 through 20. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. You men never learn. <laughs> You're supposed to say amen whenever I read that verse. It's too late. <laughs> I'm going to keep reading. I'm not even going to reread it because I'm not giving you no second chance today. It says, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Adam was not the owner of the garden. He was not the owner of the animals. He was a steward. He was an overseer. He was a manager. He was a manager of God's creation. And, and God trusted him so much. He says, listen, Adam, you're going to name the animals. And so he brings the animals. That's a giraffe. I don't know if he used scientific names. I assume he used normal names. I don't know. But there's a giraffe and, and there's a rhinoceros and there's a hippopotamus and there's a, a possum or opossum or whatever. How you want it? That's an ugly thing. But anyway, he goes through and he names these animals. And God is entrusting man, Adam, with these responsibilities. And so we have to understand, as a Christian, we are stewards. We're managers. We're overseers of things that do not belong to us. They belong to God. So as a Christian, I am a steward. And as a Christian, I have a stewardship. I have a stewardship. Now, the first truth that I am a steward deals with our position. This truth, I have a stewardship, deals with our possessions. It deals with the things that God has given to us to manage for Him. Yes, it includes money, but it's so much more. We would add to this our time. God has given us time. God has given us talents. God has given us our bodies and a measure of health. God has given us our families. Anything and everything that God has entrusted to us. Why? Because we said earlier what? God owns everything. We own nothing. 
So whatever we have, God has given to us, and God wants us to use those things for Him. He wants us to manage those things for Him. We are stewards and we are servants. We have a stewardship. God has entrusted things to you. Ever how large that may be, however how small it may be, everybody in this room, from the very youngest to the very oldest, we've been given things by God. We have a stewardship. We've been entrusted by God with some things. And as I thought about this, beloved, I thought about uh, uh, this should lead, first of all, I think, to gratitude. It should lead to gratitude, should it not? When we look at how blessed we are, Look at all these good gifts that God has given to us. We should be saying, thank you, Lord, for these good gifts. Thank you, Lord, for entrusting me, for entrusting us with these precious things that don't belong to me. They belong to you. It should cause us to have gratitude and thanksgiving in our hearts and our lives. And then as we continue thinking about this theme about stewardship, I think it also should affect our attitude. You know, beloved, we don't approach our responsibilities the same way if we truly grasp the fact that we're doing these things for Jesus. It changes our perspective. When you realize that everything we've been given doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God, and God has entrusted it to us, He's given it to us, it should give a cause gratitude, yes, but it should change our attitude. I'm mowing Jesus' lawn now. I'm washing Jesus' dishes. I'm taking care of Jesus' house. These things don't belong to me. They belong to God. Uh, I'm washing uh, these things. I'm doing these things. Do you see the difference? I'm parenting for Jesus. I'm laboring for Jesus. I have a stewardship. I have things and responsibilities that God has entrusted with to me. He's put them in my hands and He wants me to serve Him. Which brings us to the third point. We said as a Christian... I am a steward, I have a stewardship, and then with God's help, I must be faithful. Now at this point, I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians, and we'll be there mostly for the rest of our time. We'll go to 1 Corinthians, and then we'll also be in 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to begin with, and then we'll also be uh, in 2 Corinthians, and we'll spend the remainder of our time over in Corinthians. With God's help, I must be faithful. Now, I'm thinking about um, the words of the Apostle Paul. And I want to kind of set the stage uh, for this. And so if you'll find 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to go through a lot of Scripture in a quick amount of time, so you can jot these references down. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to begin reading at verse 1. And I want to set the stage of what we're looking at here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, begin reading at verse 1. Paul writing to the Corinthians under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. In other words, you haven't matured, you haven't grown up. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. Verse 3, for you are still carnal. You're immature. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Verse 5, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Now, verse 7 is an important verse. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, 
You are God's field. You are God's building. So that's what's going on here. There's kind of this whole thing about uh, who's the best preacher and who are we following. And I think Apollos is better and I think Paul is better. And he's saying, listen, it's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's about the Lord. We're just laborers. We're just ministers. We'll all be rewarded by God on our own for what we've done. But listen, your focus is not upon us. Your focus is upon the Lord. And so that's chapter 3. And I wanted to kind of set that stage when you look at chapter 4. And he's still answering this whole thing about who's the best preacher. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us, watch this, as servants of Christ and stewards, stewards of the mysteries of God. Now I want you to notice verse 2. Because this is where this whole theme is built upon. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one must be found what? Faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Now Paul is talking here about proclaiming the truth, being faithful to proclaim the truth, the mysteries of Christ. And he says that it's vital that he be a steward, he be faithful. He had to be faithful to God's calling upon his life to proclaim the truth entrusted to him. And I think we can apply the same principle to our lives, beloved. We must be faithful to God's calling upon our lives. We must be faithful stewards in what He's called us to do. We must be faithful in what God has given us. As I was studying this, uh, Burke Parsons said a bad steward is oxymoronic. He said a bad steward is no steward at all. I thought about that. I've got to chew on that a while longer. A bad steward is no steward at all. Something to think about. When you think about this whole idea of being faithful, faithful over your time, faithful over your talents, Faithful over your family responsibilities. Faithful in your job. Faithful, faithful in your finances. Uh, faithful in your spiritual gifts. Faithful in your, your church work. We need God's help to do that, don't we? we? We need God's help to be faithful because we grow weary and tired. We're fickle at times, aren't we? We fumble. We fail. We need God's strength. We need God's enablement. We need God's direction in our lives. And a lot of what we've studied so far in this series fits right here. Spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in church, in worship with our family. We are stewards and we answer ultimately to one person. And that is to God Himself. If you're going to number your days and gain a heart of wisdom and make your days count, you're going to have to live for an audience of one. And that is God Himself. Your goal is going to have to be to please one. Our goal is to do what God has called us to do. Now, are you still in 1 Corinthians 4? you still there? Look down with me what Paul says next in uh, verses 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, look at verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Paul says, listen, you can't faithfully judge my work. He says, even I can't. <laughs> you ever had that issue? Try to look at your motives 
And you're trying to purify your motives. And even then, you think, well, I think I really am doing this the right way, but am I really? Paul says, listen, I can't even judge myself. God's going to judge this. And then he talks about something that's a fitting place to end this series of messages on. To number our days and make our days count. Paul speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be back in 1 Corinthians 3 again. But um, I want to remind you about the judgment seat of Christ for a moment. The judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment of salvation. The judgment seat of Christ is a judgment of rewards. Your salvation is forever settled the moment that you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work. You're saved then and there. When you truly repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. And by the way, if you've never done that, let me invite you today to do that. The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You'll repent of your sin, turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. He will save you. And that's your greatest need today is salvation. You've never received Him. Come today in saving faith. But a lot here today, I know you've already received the Lord Jesus. And so what's this whole judgment seat of, of Christ all about? Well, it's not a, about your salvation. It's about your rewards. Not about salvation. It's about rewards. Uh, it's a judgment of believers for rewards. Now, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Then we're going to come back to 1 Corinthians, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter five, verses six through ten. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. So in other words, we're in our flesh right now, we're living upon the earth. We're home in the body, absent from the Lord. Verse seven fits so nice of our Sunday school lesson this morning. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body. And to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to do what? To be well-pleasing to Him. Now look at verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. Christian, there's an appointment in your future. There's an appointment for me and an appointment for you at the judgment seat of Christ. You will stand there yourself and you will give an account of your life and you'll be judged. Now, I want to walk you through that and talk a little bit more about that. So now we're going back to 1 Corinthians 3 because he talks more about this whole idea of the judgment seat of Christ. So go back to 1 Corinthians 3 and let's see what he has to say about it. And we're going to end up in 1 Corinthians, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this time verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. This is good practice for your upcoming sword drill or Bible drill. See how fast you can find these Scripture references, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder... I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, 
which is Jesus Christ. We know the foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to find two different types of building materials. Don't close it up yet. We're going to keep going. But two different types of building materials can be used to build with. That which has eternal value and that which has temporal value. You still in 1 Corinthians 3. Now look at verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And don't close it up. Let's just stop for a moment. We have two different types of building materials. Gold, silver, precious stones. Wood, hay, straw. They're going to be put to the fire. Common sense tells us which kind we should build with, right? What happens to the wood, the hay, and the straw? Burn up. Gone. But we find that the gold, silver, and precious stones remains. I look back at verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will what? Receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, this is talking to believers saved forever, standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Their lives are reviewed, their works are reviewed. And if they have built things that are of eternal value, they'll receive a reward. If they have built with that which is not eternal value, it'll be burned up. I would have to say that um, the majority of us would have some, hopefully, of both types. I pray. But, beloved, we're going to give an account of our lives. And all that we truly do for Jesus will be rewarded. It will be. And all that we don't do for Him, it will be burned up. Now remember, we're not just talking about church work. We're talking about our lives. Because everything we have, our time, talent, treasure, all of it, is given to us from His loving hand. But imagine someone who's there and they're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and they don't practice any good stewardship. Imagine having no rewards to cast at the feet of the Lord Jesus, the one who's worthy. The judgment seat of Christ is such a reminder, a warning, a caution for us to realize that this life, we're going to give an account for it. And all that we do in every realm, we do as a steward over a stewardship. We need to do it faithfully for the Lord Jesus. From the most mundane to the most glorious. 1 Corinthians 10.31, I keep bringing that verse back over and over again. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And one of these days, beloved, if we do things for Jesus truly, we can stand there receiving a reward from His hand. Now imagine, beloved, if we really live with these three truths evident in our lives every day. If we would grasp the fact that, number one, we are a steward. We're a steward. We don't own anything. Nothing is truly ours. It all belongs to God, but he's, over, he's entrusted us as an overseer. We have a stewardship. We begin to look at all the things that God has given us. Our time, our, our, our health, our families, our jobs, our possessions, all these things. And say, you know what? God gave all those to me. 
And we realize, as Paul said, it's required in a steward that one be faithful. That one truly does these things for Jesus. Remembering that one day we're going to give an account to Jesus for the things that we've done. I want to leave you with the words of a hymn writer. Wonderful words that she wrote that sum up this whole thought. It's not a familiar hymn. I don't know it myself, but the word struck me. Come all Christians, be committed to the service of the Lord. Make your lives for Him more fitted. Tune your hearts in one accord. Come into His courts with gladness. Each his sacred vows renew. Turn away from sin and sadness. Be transformed with life anew. And I like these verses. Listen. Of your time and talent give him. They are gifts from God above. To be used by Christians freely. To proclaim his wondrous love. Come again to serve the Savior. Tithes and offerings with you bring. In your work with him find favor and with joy his praises sing. Beloved, as we finish out this series about numbering our days, I believe if we'll live like that, I'm a steward. I have a stewardship. I've got to be faithful with God's help. If we'll live like that, we'll truly have a heart of wisdom and we'll truly make our days count. Father, We have covered a lot of ground today, a lot of truth, a lot of scripture. Help us to absorb it. Help us to understand it. Father, I pray your word would grip our hearts today. That you would open our eyes to the fact that we are not owners, we're stewards. Father, thank you for these wonderful things you've given to us. So many, we can't even enumerate them all. We can't even count them all. And you've given to us, Lord, for our blessing and for our good and for your glory. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. As we number our days, as we seek to have a heart of wisdom, you would help us to be faithful in being stewards. That we would use our time, our talents, our treasure our spiritual giftings, our places of position, our places of responsibility to point people to you. Father, help us to live with the awareness of the judgment seat of Christ. That we really are going to stand to give an account. And those things that are done with selfish motives and self-seeking, they're going to be burned up. They're going to be burned up. But Lord, those things that are done for you and for your glory, they're going to be rewarded. And Father, I don't think I'm alone today in saying we want to hear those words from your mouth, your mouth, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want to live that way, Father. And we need your help to do so. The world pulls at us and screams at us and seeks to get us to follow its pursuits, to live for pleasure, to live for self, to live for now. But Lord, your word is calling us today to live on a higher plane, 
to live this life for your honor and your glory. I pray if there's anyone here today who does not know you, does not have eternal life, that you would bring them to saving faith, give them courage to come and allow us to take a Bible and lead them to the cross of Christ and salvation. We honor and glorify you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 485. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. And uh, as we sing today, the altar is open. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you're not sure about your eternal destiny, we'd love to talk with you about that. Say, preacher, what would happen if I walked down the aisle? We would welcome you, loving arms, and we would take a Bible and share Christ with you. Child of God, if God has spoken to your heart today about a matter, the altar is open. We'd invite you to come and to pray and get those things settled. I'll be down at the front if I can help you in some way, but let's stand and sing 485. Stand up, stand up. Please.